Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. Hey, you're listening to Satellite Sisters Remix. Thanks for being here today. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. I'm here with my sister, Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. Hey, Hi. Julie, how you doing? Hi, Leanne. How are you? Hi. I know we haven't talked that much lately. I know. I know. I mean, we still, you know, we sort of stopped production in December and then we quit talking to each other. Okay. That's, that's, that's not, not right, sister. <laughs> that's not fair. I mean, I, I, you know, I've been head down trying to get this book done. Yes. So yes. Uh, our yes. usual chat time is mornings and I've been. Yes. Waiting, so, yes. Yeah. No, uh, we have. I just, for listeners, we have been chatting, <laughs> but, I, but I missed you, Leanne. I missed you. I know. <laughs> I yeah. I just got to hurry up and finish that book. So. <laughs> All right. Okay. It's uh it's there's good news on that front. More on that later. All right, but we are here with another remix episode. Um we put together a Valentine's themed show. Now, Jill, you know the irony with Satellite Sisters is we did almost nothing about sex, dating, love or relationships on our show. Yes. Yes. I think that was that was one of our underlying missions, part of our goal. I think we said that in the mud bath. I am never talking about sex, <laughs> no matter what. So we really had to search far and wide for segments that fit under the Valentine's Day theme. But I think we put together a fun show. Uh, but first, what's on your mind? What have you been thinking well, about lately? Leon, well, here's what I'm thinking about. Do you realize that this year, Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day are the same year? Okay, same day, same day. So that just, I just want you to just imagine you're in your sexy teddy and then you've got ashes on your head. That is going to be a tough, tough look. And then add to that, Lan, it's the Lunar New Year. So you got to do something with the dragon. Okay, so you got ashes, a teddy, and a dragon, Lan. That's quite a look for you, Julie. <laughs> I don't know, Leanne. I don't know. I, I, it's it's going to be a combo. I just, I want to wish all our satellite sisters good luck with that. Okay. <laughs> and misters. Because it's such oh, a- Oh, and misters too. Satellite misters. Yeah, that, whew, I don't know. <laughs> it's a challenge for them. Um, all right. Thanks for that reminder. Reminders on all front. Thanks, Friends, thanks, Jewel. Um, hey, have you been watching it all? Uh, CNN has this documentary on Martha Stewart. I think it's all aired now, but you can find it on their streaming service, a three-part series on uh, like the true story of Martha Stewart or the real yes. life of Martha Stewart. Yes, yes. <laughs> you been what do you it? think? Yes, what do you think, Liam? 
You know, here here's the thing. You know we have a weird fascination with Martha Stewart, but I think if you're not familiar, listeners need to know, we literally grew up around, like, the corner from her. She was mm-hmm. the local mom slash caterer that made good. And at, mm-hmm. at many points uh, in our teenage years and early 20s, our lives intersected with her as people worked for her. She catered events. My mother worked with her on a big charity event. I took ballet with her daughter. So the mm-hmm. fascination goes deep. And I did enjoy many of the really early day visuals, like the yes. Jessel, the Lord Ashley dress, dresses. I mean, I think it's important for people to know that Martha's had many lives. Oh, that's what it's called. The many lives of yes. Stewart. Here's what I would say here. So, Martha, you know, we know she's 80, 81. I, Elan, what I find fascinating and continue to find fascinating is that she has not gone away. You know what I mean? I mean, one of the biggest complaints about women over a certain age, and that age is like 50, is that they, quote, disappear in people's eyes, right? Mm-hmm. That no one's interested in their lives anymore. Uh-huh. She, like Madonna, she has just refused to go away. Madonna always says, the greatest sin of my music career is not quitting. And mm-hmm. I do think mm-hmm. Martha Stewart is the same. She keeps reinventing herself because, as we know, she has many, many interests now that we <laughs> many, many interests and she can. So I admire that spirit that she refuses to go away. Lynn, I think that's an excellent point. I, I, I mean, I think Martha is part of our DNA. That's what I said. You know, she was she. We grew up with her. But you're right. I mean, that she just continues on with her brand and herself. And and I'm all for it, Lynn. So, uh, you know, I, whether this documentary, she didn't uh, participate in this documentary, you right? Know. But uh, you know, it's always good to check in on Martha. Uh, we wish her well. I had a little period in. You know, where I wanted her to go to jail because I yeah. thought like, she had broken the law. But yeah. she she did her time. She came out in the poncho. She's good yeah. to go, Lance. Yeah. Right. And here she is just continuing on. So good for her and good for Martha. And uh, let's let's embrace Martha. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's not too late. It's not too late to get on the Martha bandwagon. All right. In this show, what do we have here? Well, in our, in our quest for um, sex and dating and romance, we have a few key things. First of all, we have always another thing that's part of our DNA is the wedding announcements in the New York Times. So we have a good segment. It's like a series of six wedding announcements that we love. So that's Mm -hmm. that's good. Very positive. Um, We have a review of Sex in the City, the movie, the first movie. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. By by our wonderful sister, Sheila, who did Entertaining sister uh, Sisters. And there's really no one more qualified to uh, give a review of Sex in the City than Sheila, don't you think? <laughs> it is. I mean, first of all, her movie reviews, if, you, if you're not familiar with them, they're about one-third movie, two-thirds Sheila. So I think that's important to know. <laughs> and she does yes. a lot of, she goes around the horn for her opinions on the movie. And it ends, it's a little time capsule because this was the first movie and now there have been three and they were increasingly bad. And then there was the weird remake TV show. Oh, yes. Cringe watch. And, but this was sort of a fresh look at the Sex in the City movie. And it's very funny. And she is... A lot of uh, just a lot of pinpointed uh, things to say about the women and big and New York City. So it's fun to hear that. Um, there is a little. Uh, oh, I need to explain one thing though. At the end of that, she explain she she teases her own Sex and the City type show. 
that became the summer of love. She did an internet dating show with Brad Garrett. Okay, this is going way back. Do you remember? I that? mean, I mean, how is that possible? What that was something. Something. So yes. yes. So yes. summer of love. Sheila and Brad Garrett. Oh. So if you're listening to this, that's what I want to explain. That's what she's te- teasing. So I'll try to dig up information on on that whole thing for later remixes. Uh, also, Julie, we have an interview with Calvin Trillin, the the great New Yorker writer who wrote an absolutely beautiful book about his wife, Alice, who was um, a frequent you know, character in his stories in The New York Times in the New Yorker, and she had just died. And he wrote this book about his wife, Alice. And this interview really almost brought, it just brought cheers and t- and and chills to me because it was great to have him in studio listening to him talk about his lovely wife. He was so charming. He was so I, charming. I mean, what, you know, what a love story. What a marriage. I mean, real insight there. Leon, I think I'm going to go back and I'm not sure I ever read the book about Alice. I think I think I would like to read that. It's February. It's the time of love. I think it would be a lovely, lovely choice in in my selections. Yes. Yeah. And I I remember um, when he came in, we had um, you know a little sign for him and snacks. We were so we were so honored to have him in the studio at ABC Radio there in the uh, Radio Disney Building. So that was fun. And then the final segment, Julie, is um, my birthday is the nineteenth of February, and um, so it's a little it's a little birthday thing that the you're not on this show, but Liz, Sheila, and Monica are. But I had completely forgotten this. Oof, time. Oof, memory. Uh, so. I had a very special hero of mine uh, do a birthday message for me, or our producer did, Courtney. Mm-hmm. And so we would play it every every year on the show. And I had totally forgot about it until I heard this segment again. And it's figure skater Michelle Kwan. I know. So you uh, love her. so love her. I, know. I did. I I love her. I still mm-hmm. love her. And you know, you know what she does now? Do you know what Michelle no, Kwan does? No. Now? What's the update? She is the U.S. ambassador to Belize. Oh, you know, I, she was, I did know that. Yeah. 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 So. Yes. So she's, a, you know, she works at the State Department. She's legit. She's not just a donor. She, for many years, she went to grad school, has worked in international relations, and so was appointed by um, the current administration to be the U.S. ambassador to Belize. So there you go. So she wish me a happy birthday. But I just wanted to explain why I'm not that super impressed because it was five years in a row that we played this snippet, but it's still fun to hear. Still fun to hear. Okay. (laughs) Well, is she coming back for this year? I don't know if you're going to make it through Valentine's Day again with the Vortex Ash Wednesday, Valentine's Lunar New Year. But if you do, I wish you a very happy birthday, sister. (laughs) Thank you very much, Julie. I'm going to be spending my birthday refinishing my floors in my house oh. so it's gonna be nice it's it's what a present such mm-hmm. a present i mean you only do that once every couple of decades because so much work to move all the furniture out of your house so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's what we'll be doing this upcoming weekend and then celebrating my birthday with the refinishers showing up so excited about that excited about that all right this is our satellite sisters remix thanks to you for listening Thanks to you for supporting the sponsors does make it possible for us to uh, continue to do these remixes and continue to host the show on our website and various platforms. Um, 
you know, we really appreciate all the downloads and all the listens still and always. Thanks. All right, Jewel, have a great week. You too, Leanne. And don't forget, call your satellite sister. Well, there were a couple of wedding announcements in the Sunday style section of the New York Times that I felt we must speak out against. Because I read the wedding announcements. I don't know those people, Liz. I'm never going to meet the people in the Sunday style wedding announcement Uh section. And yet I want to live vicariously through them for just a little bit. I had my wedding. There won't be any more. It's done. It's (laughs) over. I've moved on. Okay? But I like to know that there are people out there falling in love and starting a new life. And they're doing it in a way that's romantic and winning and fun and recently there have just been some heinous wedding announcements in the new york times you know big full page like pictures and stuff of people who had like extramarital affairs clearly right. described they, they, in the wedding just, announcement they described the story of how they met and fought, fell in love oh oh by the way they were both married to other people at the time oh isn't that romantic no so it's not romantic. we had to speak out against that didn't we Leah? <laughs> yes we did monica so this week in the new york times i am happy to report there were sensational wedding announcements. Oh, good. Not a one includes an extramarital affair. <laughs> no man is wearing a kilt. It's absolutely fantastic. So Monica and I both wanted to single out a couple of fantastic romantic stories. First of all, Lauren Dawson and Andrew Fortag. Congratulations. Good for you guys. Liz, they were both chefs in New York. One's a chef. One's a pastry chef. They worked at different restaurants. Oh. Now, here's what I love about Lauren and Andrew. They met when they were involved with other people, boyfriends and girlfriends. But, Liz, they didn't do anything about it. Oh. Thank you very much, <laughs> Lauren and Andrew. And it specifies that in the wedding announcement? It does. It said they were both involved with other people, but they enjoyed talking to each other at industry events and when they would see each other. And they just had this little spark, but nothing happened. Nothing happened, Lauren and Andrew. That's why you're being featured today. Well, that's romantic, too, because they're two people that work killer schedules. Right. They so said I, that was kind of what drew them together. That their first dates were like at midnight after they had gotten off work, you know, and they would go out to dinner or they would go home to one of their apartments and just sort of sit up and talk and watch movies. So they understood each other's lifestyle. And you'll see in many of this week's wedding announcements, Liz, one date, all it took. And then that's it. Really? They were never separated. All right, Monica, which one I did you I like? imagine that would be a good wedding to attend, too, food-wise. Okay. If you were, yes, if you were they, a guest they, at the wedding, you'd enjoy that. They did describe the menu list yes. extensively in that announcement. Okay, Lee, and the one I loved, the darling couple, darling, Catherine Wilson and Stephen May. They have never been married before. Neither has been engaged or married before. The bride is 56. <gasps> She works in an executive search firm in Washington, D.C. The bridegroom is 75. Really? Okay. He's a writer. He writes about painting and sculpture. They said they they, they are neighbors in a co-op apartment building in Washington, D.C. They began dating there 13 years ago. <laughs> so for 13 years, they have gone up and down one flight of stairs to visit each other. That's all it said visit. Right. Okay. Then finally, last November, Mr. May, 75, proposed to her, and she wondered what took him so long. And he said, I guess I asked myself that too. And he said, you know, you have to wait until the chemistry seems right, and now it seems like a natural progression. It was just more fun to be together all the time than to commute up and down the stairs. So, And she said, it's never too late to make someone happy. 56, 73, 
75 newlyweds. Yeah, I love fantastic. That. See, another that's excellent wedding. That's the way you want them to be. All right, Heather Frank, Todd Olson, congratulations to the two of you. Uh, here's a couple with a bright financial future. She's a freelance <laughs> violinist, and he's a Latin tutor. All right, good, good luck to you guys. But okay. they're young, and they're in love. They're young, and they're in love. Fantastic. Also, here's a couple, Sterling Odom, that's the woman, uh-huh. and Jonathan Lankin. Okay, I love this. They're both triathletes. They oh. met on a ski trip through mutual friends. But when he popped the question, she said, can I ask you a few questions first? Uh, can we have a dog? That's what she said before she would agree to marry him. Can we have a dog? And then Monica, the best. Okay, just one more. Patricia Seglio and Bruce Johnson, he saw her at a pizza parlor. She was with her mother and her grandmother. He was with this 15-year-old daughter. Again, both divorced couples, okay? They're free and clear. He said to his daughter, look at that beautiful woman. He went up and he tapped her on the shoulder when she was in the parking lot, and he said, if you ever feel like getting together, call me. She never did. She was back in that area of New York a year later. She was walking in front of the pizza parlor. He saw her, and they have never been apart Heart since. Sense. Oh, I'm going to go fell in love. Liz, summer is coming up, and you know what that means? It means you're grilling. You're grilling and chilling sure. there yes. with your with your butcher box. What, what do you got going on the grill this summer? Well, you know, here's the thing. Because I'm going to be up in, in Bend for a part of the summer, yeah. I'm having my box sent there, Leanne. That's I mean, great. Go on vacation with your butcher box is what, uh, what, what I'm recommending. Yeah, either way, you're just going to buy meat and fish and stuff when you get there. Why do that? Anyway, you, I love their steaks. I love their scallops. The scallops are really good. And the chicken thighs, all good. I'm ready. That's right. ButcherBox gives you peace of mind and easy-to-find high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. It's 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork that's raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood, no antibiotics or added hormones, and as Liz said, delivered right to your doorstep. And you can customize that delivery plan, Liz, right? Because it can go wherever you want it to go, whenever you want it to go. If you want to delay it a week, you know, speed it up a week, you just go to your ButcherBox account and you can make that all happen. It's so easy to manage online. Yeah. And if you're like Liz, you can take your ButcherBox on vacation, which is... That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> nice to have something familiar there. <laughs> yes. So if you want to take your meat on vacation, sign up at butcherbox.com sisters and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional 20% off. So you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash sisters and use code sisters to choose your free for a year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. Hey, it's Liz and Leon here, and we want to thank Pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about with my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical. Mm-hmm. The book is getting rave reviews. I'm very happy. But you know what else is getting rave reviews? My hair, Liz, my hair from pros is getting rave reviews. Leon, I am not surprised. You have been on that pros hair regimen for quite a while. I mean, you have good hair anyway, but now you have great hair because you've really paid attention to it. Well, Liz, pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. 
from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And you know what? I love the regimen they have me on. Do I take the hair vitamins every day? Yes, I do. Do I use my shampoo and conditioner made especially for Lee and Dolan? Yes, I do. Do I sometimes use the leave-in conditioner when my hair's really dry? I do. And I even have a pre-scalp thing that they give me. Okay, pros, you're the boss. I'll take it. (laughs) You tell me what my hair needs. That sounds good. And here's the thing. It's personalization, Liz. For yeah. millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely Leans. Okay. And I'm I'm using it. Pros mm-hmm. isn't just better for you, it's also better for the planet, Liz. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. So pros, we love you. I love the photos of my hair. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> photos of your hair. There are people in the photos too. That's the thing about a book tour. Everybody yeah. has their picture taken with Leon and then post it. So yeah. the hair is important. <laughs> Couldn't be happier, pros. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin. They're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash sisters. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash sisters. And pros is spelled P-R-O-S-E, pros.com slash sisters. Thanks, pros. You know, we made a special effort for you today. We're very <laughs> excited to have Calvin Trillin with us in the studio. He is, of course, a longtime staff writer for The New Yorker, a journalist and an author of many fabulous, entertaining books. Your new book is about Alice. Thank you so much for joining us here. Thank you. Thank you. I noticed you all dressed up for the occasion. Too. Yes, we did. did. Believe right. me. <laughs> Leanne put on lipstick for you. Yeah, you you missed that. Earlier I put on some lipstick. I didn't because I'm in Colorado, so I figured on the webcam you can't really see what I look like. All right. Now, About Alice is a love letter to your wife, who you lost five years ago, right? She was waiting for a heart transplant. Right. And when she died, one of the things you write about in the book is that there was this outpouring. Because you had written about Alice so much and all of your work over many years, People felt like they knew her and they loved her almost as much as you did, Calvin. Were you surprised at the at the level of outpouring when Alice uh, when Alice's death was made public? I was. I, well, I was surprised also that um, uh, I, I, people didn't know her, and they always started these letters, although I didn't know her, of course. Uh, but they somehow knew how I felt about her, and that surprised me because she was really presented as a sort of persona in those writings about travel and family life and eating and and uh she was the sort of sitcom mom the sensible (laughs) uh, person i mean a persona and yet your affection for her i think that's what makes about alice so lovely too but in all of your work it was just clear that you two had something very special well uh you know nobody knows anything about anybody else's marriage and so i didn't know that it was special I mean, I, I mean, I appreciated it, but I, I suppose I thought that most people felt that way about their wives, and um, I, um, I was surprised. Um, I say in the book that I had taken in most of the episodes of the Honeymooners without really contemplating how Ralph Cramden must have felt about Alice <laughs> Cramden. So, so I was surprised that uh, I got letters like letters, particularly from young unmarried women. Uh, who said things like, um, I, I look at my boyfriend and wonder, but will he love me the way Calvin loves Alice? See, this is, this is it. This is Julie. And I think what comes through is your admiration for Alice. And that 
is mm-hmm. such a nice quality. Well, I think that there were many things about her that were admirable, and also um, um, that she was able to do that I wasn't. And, and um, like what? Well, I think she could articulate um, particularly values uh, to our girls. And um, <laughs> you were you were not very good at that as the dad. I was what, saying, what were you articulating? I was, I was saying, zip up your jacket. That's all. Right. I, was I it was a family a, motto? Pull up your socks. Uh, pull up your socks, yeah, or yeah. or the alternative was no fetching. Right. It's pretty much the same thought. Yeah, that's right. I, uh, my my uh, the the motto for my family that I grew up in was zip up your jacket. I I um our, our family motto was rub it up. Yeah, that's what our parents right. used to say when right. any one of the eight of us like. They broke something. Just right. rub it Came up. in with that's bleeding, it. head wounds. Just rub it up. Rub that's, it up. That's right. I remember when uh, I think it was the Carter administration tried out a motto, an, um, a new foundation, and I said that we tried that as a motto, but some of my family had um, um, morbid fear of underpinnings. They were always thinking the sills were rotting or something like that. So a new foundation sort of pictured some BDI contractor standing outside of your house and saying. What you need here, I'm afraid, is a whole new foundation. (laughs) Calvin Trillin is with us today. His new book is about Alice. Did you and Alice always agree on how to raise your daughters? They're what, in their 20s now, your girls? No, they're in their 30s. In their 30s, okay. Um, Yeah, I think we, uh, Alice, uh, I think we we, uh, didn't agree on what we were doing exactly. I I wasn't (laughs) sure that we had any policy at all, and Alice thought that what, that our policy, if that's the word, was uh, to be sort of loose on the small things and and strict on the big things. Mm-hmm. And um, so, but but it came out the same. I mean, we didn't we didn't um, uh, we didn't disagree about you know whether I remember uh, saying once to uh, one of my daughters who she was about ten or eleven, I think it was Abigail, the older one, said. Can I do something? I can't remember what it was she wanted to do. And I said, um, well, it sounds all right to me, Ab, but um, we we better ask uh, Mom about it. And uh, she said, uh, is that because uh, she's a fancy Eastern girl and you're just a simple lad from the Midwest? (laughs) (laughs) She'd been listening all this time. I said, yeah, that's sort of it, yeah. (laughs) You, You caught on, yeah. Someone uses that line on me. I'm the fancy Eastern girl, and he's just a Californian. So in any right. matters of etiquette or something, he turns to me. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's well, right. You know, the Eastern people know which fork to... Exactly. To... Right. Exactly. We just know how to do things a little bit, you know, better. Right. <laughs> so you did. You better. wrote about Alice a lot, and as you say, she was sort of the sitcom mom in your work. But did she ever come to you and say, oh, come on, could you just not... Like, that's not really me. Did she? Did she want a fuller portrait of herself um, in your work? She never said so. Um, and, and occasionally I write, like I did a column once about, about how convenient it was to live with an intellectual uh, in the sense that if some word like heuristics uh, came up on uh, some uh, emergency exit uh, uh, card on the plane, you <laughs> had somebody to tell you what it meant, something <laughs> like that. Uh, and she occasionally said, I remember when, when the first time I was going to use her name in a title, which was not coincidentally uh, uh, just after she was operated on for lung cancer in in 76, and it was a book called Alice Let's Eat, and she said, I'm not sure about how 
I feel about having uh, my name in the title of a book, and I said, well, okay, uh, uh, we could call it uh, Carol Let's Eat or, <laughs> or Nancy Let's Eat. And said, well, I think Alice is okay. But, uh, and then sometimes we would, you know, how married people talk, and, and, uh, and after the kids have gone up either to go do their homework or go to bed or something, depending on how old they are, and you're sharing thoughts at the dinner table, and then occasionally Alice would say something, and I would say, I I hope you don't think that what you just said was off the record. <laughs> uh, oh, she was going to uh, use it against you in some yeah, way. Yeah, no, that I would write about it. Oh, uh, uh, ah. uh, but I but I didn't really write about that. Sort of Did thing. she review all of everything that you wrote? Yes, she was. She was the the first reader. She not just for me, but often uh, Alice worked at uh, at a publisher for a year before she started teaching, and then she taught English and she. She taught the writing process and did did films on the writing process and was often asked by friends to to read manuscripts and including a friend who had written a sixteen hundred page novel. Oh my! God. Uh, she suggested some cuts. On that, right? <laughs> um, Just right off the top before right, she even cracked it open. Right. And um, so I I say in the book that she read all rough drafts and. Um, Partly because I valued her opinion, uh, and partly because I was trying to impress her. Yeah, I was hoping if it if it was meant to be funny that that I would hear her laugh. And that's like that seems to have driven you your whole life. You just always wanted to make your wife laugh. That's a very nice way to go through life. Yeah, unfortunately, she used to say to me, uh, maybe after you've been married thirty years or so, um, you've never been as funny as you were on the night we met. Oh. And, <laughs> And, and I would say, way to go, you, Alice! Nice you, line. You mean I peaked in December of 1963? I'm afraid so. Calvin Trillin's book about his wife is about Alice. Do you think of yourself as a romantic guy? Because you're such a regular guy, Calvin. Absolutely Trillin. not. And yet um, the book, you know, as you say, you get when Alice died, you got this outpouring. I'm not surprised from like single women all over the world saying, "Oh, we just loved reading about your love for your wife." Um, no, I, I mentioned on a show a couple of weeks ago that, that um, the first time I read something like uh, it's good to have a sensitive man who's in touch with his feelings, my, re- my instant reaction was, my God, I hope none of the guys I went to high school with read this. <laughs> um, um, I mean, I've been taking some pains not to be in touch with my feelings for years. So, yeah, that was quite surprising to me. Because it's a, Julie, you were saying there, it's it's romance, but not in a mushy way. It's right? not mushy. It's not lovey-dovey. That's why it's that's makes it even more romantic. Oh well, see, I didn't know that all these years. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that, you that's really the case Alice. right there. Right. Right. Julie, I wish you to call my house occasionally <laughs> and let everybody know that. You know, the uh, you've written a lot about your your children. Obviously, a lot about Alice. You've written about your own life. You've written about your father. So the the the, the writing the family memoir, the sort of mining your own family for your stories and for entertainment for others. Have you ever gotten into trouble with that, or did you ever worry that okay, maybe now this is too far. I sh- I shouldn't do that. No, I I um, when I looked back, I did a book called Family Man, and I looked back on what I had written about the girls, for instance, and I realized that without thinking about it, I had quit writing about them when they got to be about nine or ten. Oh, uh, yeah. And I just didn't mention them anymore. And um, I, that was I, wise. I didn't, yeah. I didn't, you know, have a meeting with Alice and decide that teenage girls really don't 
need their father making wry remarks about them in, in print, but but it's just instinctive, I think, in not doing it. And I don't think you could even tell the girls apart and you know what I wrote about them. Um, and so I, I don't think that um, somebody asked me once if I was worried if um, about the girls writing about me. Oh uh, yeah. And, and I said no, I'm not worried about I'm worried about it at all because when they were five and eight, I had them sign a, a non-disclosure agreement. <laughs> I, I just I not nothing complicated. I just I think it was the one they use in Buckingham Palace for <laughs> servants. I just said. You know, just sign where Daddy says to sign. The little one couldn't write, but I said, just make a sign. (laughs) Just an X here. Right. A little smiley face right right there on the sheet. Thank you. Well, we, the five sisters, wrote a memoir together, and uh, but before it was published, Julie, we put her in charge of being the delegation of one that had to present the manuscript to our parents. Right, Julie? Right. We took two copies of the draft up to our parents. One for our mother, one for our father, and they um, each went up to their up to the to their they went up to their bedroom with right. their copies but and I was standing at the bottom of the stairs and right. the, these other cowards weren't even in the no, house. no no we were there's oh. no no we Julie is the nicest so right. I was the diplomatic sister so but I did hear my mother say to my father she said I don't know about you Jim but I'm coming out okay in the book <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to worry about yourself Jim. that was that was it yeah. you're over the side Jim <laughs> Oh, hey, you know, I did want to ask you for something, a little bit of a performance, if you don't mind. Okay. The, uh, I, I was talking on the air a couple of weeks ago about how this year, 2007, is the year I turn 50, which I kind of can't believe, but right. whatever. So I'm trying to get myself ready for it. Anything right. that is going to sort of bring that day in a good way, a sort of uplifting uh, note on that day. And uh, Joyce wrote to us. She's from Minneapolis. She recently sent in an email saying, one of my younger sisters is having her 50th birthday in March, and I'm looking for celebration ideas. Well, in your book about Alice, you have the most delightful poem that you wrote for Alice on her 50th birthday. So I thought maybe we could just close with a little bit of that. Sure. This is the first stanza of a poem that's called A Conversation with Someone Who Can't Believe That Alice Is 50. Mm. No way, you say. It simply cannot be. I would have guessed that barmen often ask her for ID. I know, I know. She has that youthful glow that still gives young men vapors. She's 50, though. I've seen her papers. <laughs> Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we, we love Osea's skin and body care. And you know what? This Mother's Day... Just look no further than Osea. Spoil the moms in your life with the little luxuries from Osea. The moms, the stepmoms, the bonus moms, the people who bring a touch of something special to your life, aunts, grandmothers, they would love a little Osea this Mother's Day. And you can get 10% off your first order by using our code SATSisters at OseaMalibu.com. And Liz, you know what every mother and mother figure needs? What? More moisture, Liz. They need more moisture in their skin. <laughs> in no their kidding. skin. I mean, really, the creams, the lotions, the oils. I love it all. That duo they have going. Oh. Like, you can't miss with the duo of Osea. 
Liz, the Mega Moisture Duo. Yes. You can you can literally see your skin get firmer, and it just delivers <laughs> this full body glow. Okay, you know we have raved about the Andaria Algae Body Oil. Mm-hmm. Well, pair that with the Andaria Collagen Body Oil. Youthful, yeah. Liz. A youthful yeah. glow is going to happen, <laughs> and it's a, infused with Osea's signature Andaria seaweed. So it just smells so delicious, doesn't it? I know you're talking about giving it as a gift. I also suggest just giving it to yourself <laughs> because you're worth it. <laughs> that's, that's true. That is absolutely true. Okay, that moisture duo I mentioned too is a great value because you can save 16% plus the extra 10% with our code Sad Sisters. So this is it. This is a win-win-win Mother's Day gift. Spoil the moms in your life with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code SATSISTERS at oseamalibu.com. And you get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Osea is spelled O-S-E-A. So head on over to oseamalibu.com and use code SATSISTERS for 10% off. Thanks, Osea. We're the Satellite Sisters. I'm Liz. I'm here with Leon and Julie. Well, Liz, we just heard that Calvin Trillin said he spent his entire marriage trying to impress his wife. Yes. Well, yesterday, Sheila and I reviewed uh, a wedding announcement from the New York Times, the most heinous wedding announcement ever, where <laughs> the man uh, seems to be spending his entire life trying to impress himself. Oh, and that's all I can say. <laughs> and, it's, and it's working? Yes. We like to do a little Monday morning quarterbacking on the New York Times wedding section here at Satellite Sisters, particularly Sheila and I. And our uh-huh. red flag went up when we saw a man in a kilt okay oh, featured yeah. that always you know you just wonder is he a highlander is that is that why he's in the kilt get up uh-huh. or what's happening and then we went to read the announcement fully okay john warner the fourth got married to a lovely young first grade teacher named sharon ham uh-huh. okay john warner is the son of senator warner oh he's, right he's oh. 44 liz and in this wedding announcement there was one heinous quote after another from the mouth oh. of john warner the fourth Things like every woman I've ever dated in New York and L.A. are gold diggers. You know, oh. they're just after me for my money. Ew. Of course, he only dated supermodels, Liz. Right, <laughs> supermodels and socialites. So yeah. every woman. He said when he met Miss Ham, he was surprised he had, quote, anything in common with a first grade teacher. Ew. But then, fortunately, and I quote again, she came from wealth. Oh, thank oh. God. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Oh, thank God. This is the anti-Calvin, for sure. Well, we encouraged you to go to the New York Times for yourself and read the most heinous wedding announcement ever. And Harold Nass did. Thank you, Harold. You sent us some sister mail, and you pointed out a couple of passages that we didn't have time to get to, but I'll quickly get to them now. More heinosity? Yes. One (laughs) one that Harold liked in particular, apparently the bridegroom, whose back was still hurt from a recent motorcycle crash, greeted his guests a la Truman Capote while lounging in a kilt on one of the white leather couches. <gasps> oh, he was just laying down yes. as people came in? Yes, yes, because he, okay. he was a motorcycle oh, rider, Liz, and a race car driver, mm-hmm. as well as being the hellmaster of his frat. So I guess Ew. that's That's what... such an excellent credential in a husband, <laughs> former hellmaster. Yes, and then there you go. And then one other passage uh, that um, Harold wanted to point out in his sister mail was that he indeed put Elizabeth Taylor, Senator Warner's second wife, on the back of his miniature miniature motorized minibike. Soon you go. Ew. Harold, you're with us, Harold. You said it could not have been any more sickening or disgusting. Thank you. Always welcoming sister mail that agrees with us 100%.
are the Satellite Sisters, and this is Entertaining Sheila. And this week, it's only one movie, Sex in the City. That's right. It's a movie. It's a happening. It's the girls. Now, when I first saw the initials SATC, I had no idea what people were writing about. I thought it was just some cryptic, you know, initials referring to some cultural movement I had totally missed. I felt like it was the first time. Do you remember the first time I pronounced the word felon on the rare on the air? I I pronounced it felon. Right. <laughs> like it was a French word. Sometimes I just like, look at things like I'm, biopic yes, when I'm, you said that right, or like biopic. A, it's like what's that? What is sac? Well, you know, I guess it kind of gives it away that I'm not a hardcore Sacked fan. I felt like I could have been if I had more time. You know, if you had cable, if you had a cable, you didn't have cable. That's right. If I just had HBO. <laughs> I mean, there are so many reasons why I was not a weekly Sex in the City viewer. But after what has it been ten or so mm. more years of reruns, <laughs> staying in hotels, I have the basics down, and I did learn to love the small screen cuteness of the girls' lives. You know, I identify with each of the women in some small way. That's right. And I resent each of them in another small way. (laughs) But basically it boils down to apartment envy. Oh my gosh, even Carrie's cramped pad was twice as big as any apartment I ever rented. And at least she had rooms. Do you know what I mean? So here we have it again. We have it again. We have Carrie. We have Samantha. We have Miranda. And we have Charlotte. We have SJ. We have KC, CN, and KD. It's three years later from the last episode of Sex in the City. And the women, they're living in Manhattan. They're living in Brooklyn. Two women are married. One is adopted. And one is serious intimacy issues. <sighs> yes, there's the same voiceover by Sarah Jessica, the same outrageous fashions by Patricia Field. And New York is a major, major character. And, of course, who would forget Chris Noth? who really, I mean, seriously needed some crest white strips. I mean, what has he been doing? Um, really? I mean, his teeth really needed some whitening. Of course, we know him as big. So what was different? What was different, people? What's new? Um, you know, I mean, I guess what was once the quirky, girly label obsession that was Sex in the City seemed to me like a big commercial photo shoot on the big screen. Mm. Even there was a fake photo shoot in the middle of the movie for Vogue. It felt to me like it was a real photo shoot. I was confused. Mm. I mean, did Sarah Jessica Parker actually, you know, do a Vogue cover shoot for the for the month-long publicity blitz for this movie? I mean, She the, did. She's on the cover of Vogue this month. Okay, well, there you go, Lee. <laughs> I was confused. You know what I mean? I mean, to me, you know, that, that, that intimate sex talk, which was so great and dishy on the original TV show, just seemed forced on the big... It just... And there wasn't enough of it, by the way. The threads of their... Well, they're married now. Well, <laughs> I don't know. The threads of their separate lives that were all entwined on the small screen were sort of loose and jangly in this movie, and sometimes melodramatic and sometimes just bland. There was new ca- one new character in the movie, Jennifer Hudson, who was hired as Carrie's assistant. Now, she's a great actress. I enjoy watching her. She's very entertaining, but she only interacted with Carrie. 
that was the only person she interacted with in the movie, and that just seemed like a throwaway to me, Leanne. Hmm. Now, the humor fell completely flat in my theater. There were absolutely no laughs. And I know that the, it, you know, it was blowing people away in New York, but I went to the 340 show at The Man in Santa Monica. That's an odd time for a movie, it people. Is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there Make was... it 4.30 or <laughs> 3, 3 o'clock. It's but... a low-energy yeah. time. I think it was just, yes, I mean, I don't think that was the, you know, the optimum crowd. Uh, but my daughter Ruth did see it twice in New York, and she loved it. Uh, and, you know, while Carrie's search for love was a backdrop, and all of her blogging was just a nice button at the end of each snappy half-hour episode... Her two and a half hours of playing housewife with Big, buying penthouses, buying clothes, more clothes, more shoes, more, 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 me, me, me. Who would spend that much time thinking about herself and her search for the one? I don't know. I mean, who would do that? Who would, who would blog? Who would shoot video? Who would just self-obsess about her look for love? I just don't know. I just don't know what kind of woman hmm. would do that in when real life. When you put it that way, <laughs> Sheila. <laughs> now, sisters, let's do something fun right now. Let's pretend we're all in Sex in the City and we're at a little restaurant having Cosmos. And we're going to go around the horn to see who thought, of the, who thought what of the movie, Liz. Like, you saw the movie. Let's, let's, it's your turn, Liz. Why don't you talk on the topic? <laughs> I saw a noon show, Sheila. People were laughing. It was that there were a lot of people in the theater, mainly women, as you can imagine. I enjoyed it. I had some laugh out loud moments. I liked seeing the girls' lives move forward. There were some surprises. Some of it was very predictable. But I agree with you that what is cute in half an hour with all the label obsessions got gets really tedious in two and a half hours. The constant clothes and bags and shoes thing. I was a little bit tired of that. But I enjoyed it, and I hope there's a sequel, and I'm going back. Okay, we'll have another sip of your Cosmo. How about you, Monica? Well, let's go around the horn. What did you think? Uh, I have a lot of affection for the characters on the show. And so uh, even though they were not like me in any way, rich, they had shoes, they wore stilettos, and they were having sex. <laughs> I still have a lot of affection for them. But I, in the movie, I related to, to their tenderness for each towards each other. Yeah. I thought that still came through. I thought the movie had its moments, but you're right. It was not as snappy or as funny as the 30-minute episodes. A lot of the jokes fell flat. There were some funny moments, though. Come on, Miranda. I mean, uh, uh, what, what Samantha with the sushi. That was funny. Okay, well, she saved the movie. By she, the way, Kim she, Cattrall saved the movie, and right, we're going to get to that. Yeah, she, she was the, be- the funniest thing in the movie. So I felt tender towards the movie. All right. I thought their friendship still came through. And Leanne, you have not seen it. No, but I'm just glad you called the character Big instead of Mr. Big, like all the idiots <laughs> writing that, about it. That annoys who, me too. Who would call him that? It's not now, his who? name. I mean, even in like real newspapers, Mr. Big. His name is not Mr. Big. His name is Big. <laughs> oh, you're getting all worked up. Take a sip of your cosmos. Anything Relax. you want to say about his teeth? <laughs> no. no. I, I, I thought Big looked excellent. I thought he looked excellent <laughs> too. Oh, He's a right. real man, Big. Well, speaking of Big, I saw the big cheese on a plane from LAX to New York. Yes, that's right. I saw Michael Patrick King, the writer and director, getting on a plane. Check this out. By special escort, he was escorted onto the plane to first class. Now, I ask people, you know, you're in first class. Do you need to go 10 minutes early than everybody else? You're going in early anyway. Right. I mean, you know, you got your big seat in the front of the plane anyway. But I did have a little sighting. 
on my way to New York oh. while he was going to the premiere oh. for that weekend. So, so you I, were on the same plane? I, I was on the same t- plane. I feel like I'm connected. Um, I don't know what he would think of this review, so let's get to it on a scale of one to five sisters. You know, I'm giving one big sister to Kim Cattrall. Her character was the l- most entertaining. It yes. was the most interesting. And we heard from a secret source in New York that she is the nicest one out of all the girls, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. All right. I'm also going to give another sister to the young man who was brave enough to come to the movie <laughs> in my 340 showing at the Man Theater. That's right. Two sisters so far. And I have to give a sister to New York City, my old hometown, my own stomping ground. Now, I tell you, I did have a little kick in my step when I left the theater I, with my long, new pink scarf. I was pretending, pretending I was a little, a little bit of Carrie. And, you know, that's what I do every night when I go home <laughs> to my Apple computer. I just I channel Carrie just a little bit. I try to put a button on my life. And the button here is this. This has been Entertaining Sheila. Go forth and entertain. Okay. Hi. You know, I'm with Monica. I thought it was tender and fond and cute and fun. And you kind of have to go into something like that. that it's not going to change the world. Right. It's and just if you a like, fun it, movie about women who are satellite sisters. If you like the series, you'll, you'll enjoy the movie. I uh, afterwards I went to like a Whole Foods and got lunch. And this woman saw my movie ticket. She said, what'd you see? I said, Sex in the City. She said, how was it? I said, it was pretty good. I said, I liked the series, <laughs> so, I, so I liked it. And she said uh, she went into this long diatribe about how she hasn't watched TV in 10 years. She threw it away. It's too materialistic. Okay. Oh, for God's so sakes, Oregon. do not see this movie. Yeah. That's exactly what I said to her. I said, you know what? You won't like this movie. <laughs> yeah. do, do, do not go see this movie. But yeah. I liked it. I, I, the scene when Carrie is beating Big over the head. Hello, hello, uh, hello. Okay, all right, all right. No, I wasn't going to give away to it. There were just some very funny moments. All right, speaking of you and Carrie and how much... Self-obsession. Sheila, how much you have in common with some of the, uh, the ladies of Sex and the City. You're going to have a big announcement for us on the Monday show about Sheila and sex and cities and whatever. Oh, yes, I am, Liz. Yes, it does involve my search for love. It does involve a city, right, Leanne? Yes, Sheila. I don't know. It may involve some kind of sexual connotations, (laughs) as it were. Um, And it's all about me. It is one of my dreams come true, actually. Um, And I'm so excited about it. There's going to be a big announcement on Monday's show about what I'm doing this summer. Right, Leanne? The Sheila spinoff we've been waiting for. She's always wanted one since the very first meeting we ever had about Satellite Sisters. I kid you not. She said she really wanted her own show. <laughs> she was a first grade teacher in New York who had recently left her husband at the time. But she thought she deserved her own show. And now she's entertaining Sheila and she's getting her own uh, project. That's right. I may not be escorted on first class 10 minutes before everybody else, but I got my own project, Leanne, that- and I'm darn proud of it. All right. But, Leanne, it is your birthday. Happy birthday, Leanne. Thank Nolan. you, Liz. Thank you very much. Okay. Leanne, happy happy birthday, Leanne. Thank you, Monica. You know, Monica, you and I, we were just talking about this last week. I forget how it came up, but we can both remember. We're old enough, older than you enough to remember the exact day you were born. Right, Monica? Yeah, we remember the exact day because uh, mom, Sheila and I were playing on the, in the basement. We were sitting on the basement steps and mom came and she said, I'm going now. And we're like, 
oh, where are you going? <laughs> and she goes, well, I'm going to the hospital to have a baby. And we're like, okay, see you later. <laughs> we didn't even know mom was going to have another baby. <laughs> I mean, maybe she told us, but we were just in our own little Barbie doll world, and we didn't really, it didn't really dawn on us. Yeah, you, you were ca- six and seven. Yeah. Right, and then yeah. you came home from the hospital. Mom's like, we're like, okay, have a good time at the hospital, <laughs> whatever that is. We didn't even know what she was talking about. So I asked mom this weekend, because you were wondering last week when we were talking with Shelly Ackerman, what time of day you were born. Yes. And so I asked mom and dad, do you remember when Leon was born? Was it at nine in the morning? Was it, Liz was thinking it was more like one or two or three mm-hmm. o'clock. Well, they had no idea. No idea. So I'm just <laughs> telling you, they they went back through the seven previous births and <laughs> recalling various times of day when various children were born and uh, mom really couldn't remember. She, she said she was very, very tired though, you know, because when she went to the hospital, she did tell me that, that she fell asleep and the obstetrician <laughs> fell asleep. But dad was the only one who stayed awake. But of course he was in the lobby, you know, Smoking. <laughs> Smoking cigarettes in the old days and drinking coffee. So they have no idea what time of day you were born. But we have narrowed it down to late morning or early afternoon because we saw mom leave the premises. <laughs> Two good choices, Liz. <laughs> we saw mom leave the premises before school. And then I remember we were in the yard playing after school when someone came out and said, your mom just had a baby girl. So that was like three in the afternoon. So there you go. There's your window. You know, it's close enough. I haven't given birth myself. The time of day does not matter to you. Unless you're an astrologer. Right, or I guess, right. But if you're a mother, it's it doesn't, you're in there for so long, sometimes it feels like you don't even know what day it is, never mind what time of the day it is. <laughs> so I don't know, I, I'm perfectly fine with not knowing what time of day I was born. Well, we do have one of your favorites. You know, this is a Satellite Sisters, Leanne's birthday classic, who just wanted to say a few nice words. One of your heroes in life, Liam. Hi, Leanne. This is Michelle Kwan. I understand it's your birthday this week, so I just wanted to call and wish you the best of birthdays. Michelle Whoa. Kwan. She calls every year. She does call every year. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. Love you, Michelle. Hi, Leanne. Spe- oh, hi, hi, Michelle. <laughs> Our special celebrity birthday wish- wishes, Leanne. <laughs> That's right. Hey, it's Liz with a reminder that, you know, it's really easy to stay in touch with the Satellite Sisterhood on many platforms. That's right, Liz. For starters, we have a website, SatelliteSisters.com, where you can listen to all the podcasts. Uh, You also can read our blog posts, which include show notes. And if you want, you can snoop around in our bios and pictures. On Facebook, we have a couple of options. The first is our Facebook page, where we post our news and all of our news shows. You just have to like that page so you get our posts in your feed. And the second option is the Facebook group, aka the nicest place on the internet. That's where you can post yourself and interact with everyone in the group. You can share, you can comment, or you can just enjoy the vibe. And that page is private. So things posted in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group cannot be shared outside of the group. To join, you simply search on Satellite Sisters Facebook group and then click to join or follow. You'll get one or two really easy questions to answer. That's just so we can make sure you're a real person and not a bot. And then we approve you. Done. We're also on Instagram, of course. You can follow at Sat Sisters. You'll see our posts there and get alerted to when we go live. And we're trying to go live more. In fact, we've been pretty regular on Fridays lately with a follow-up Friday. 
Individually, you can also follow us at Leon Dolan, at Satellite Sister Liz, or at Julie Oldest Sister. And finally, don't sleep on good old email. Yes, that's right. We have a show email address. If you want to write to us, it's just hello at SatelliteSisters.com. We really do read everything sooner or later. So come on, Satellite Sisters, stay connected.